Beaumont wants you to be able to afford your dream space, so they created Beaumont Max. Their maximum value, maximum quality tile range. Tiles under 20 and subways from under 30 bucks. Choose Beaumont Max today. Welcome to Homestyle with Shana Blaze for Beaumont Tiles. I choose Beaumont Tiles, you should too. For tiles, bathroom wear and now hard flooring. And it is great to have your company on the Homestyle Podcast. It is producer Jane Neild in the studio with the wonderful Shana Blaze. And yes, we are here thanks to Beaumont Tiles. I don't know, nearly through winter and I think a lot of people thinking of spring renovations. Tiles from just $19.95 at Beaumont. Subways from $29.95 their new maximum value, maximum quality tile range. And it's a welcome to you, Shana Blaze, busy as always, judging on the block and doing all sorts of incredible projects. We uh, talked last episode about your new wallpaper range. I mean, you know, you've really expanded and diversified in the last few years, haven't you, Shana? Oh, look, (laughs) and I'm loving it because they're they're products that can go in people's homes rather than you know, and people being able to style them and do it in their own way rather than me saying this is a whole room look and, you know, collaborated with Beaumont Tiles with, you know, the the rooms and then also Montgomery Homes, I'm doing looks for them and also Timberline, I'm designing vanities for bathrooms. So ah. I'm absolutely loving the flexibility of all these different things I can I can create and bring to the home. And of course, let's not forget Harris scarf because I was in there the other day uh, looking for some new linens for the bedroom. So <laughs> can I just say the fact I get to play and do new looks and feels every six months is so exciting. And the way that I've done the range with Harris scarf is that, yes, you can get new looks and feels, but it's always about extending and making sure the last range works with the new range. And, you know, if you know winter in one year and you want to get it the next winter, you know that what you're going to buy in the new winter is actually going to have some sort of connection to what was there the year before rather than just feeling like you have to start all again. That's really interesting. The the thought that you're actually planning ahead and thinking about mixing and matching, that is quite reassuring because sometimes I feel like fashion especially is just what is the exact opposite look and colour to last season's range so everything gets thrown out and you have to start again. (laughs) Yeah, And, and I think that's the thing of like people say, you know, will it date, will it date? Well, if you're doing it like that, absolutely. But if you build on it, and have a a classic sort of base and a starting point, you grow with it and that's the way to do it. Oh, fantastic. Now, I've had a couple of weeks holidays, Shana, so we're going to start before we get into some listener questions, which we've actually got heaps of listener questions coming through. Um, And we're also going to be talking a little bit about painting this episode. Before then, though, I just wanted to run past a little bit of a sort of, I don't know, a dilemma I had on my holidays that I was trying to maximise the use of my time, get lots of stuff done around the house, couldn't go away because I'm really trying to budget for, unfortunately, sexy as a new septic system, which is going to cost me about 17000 17000 Yes. Wow. Yeah, that's the uh, love of love being in the country with uh, no sewage uh, systems, all wow. of that. But, hey, I think there's a lot of people that will relate to that, mm-hmm. that you want to do all the nice pretty mm-hmm. stuff, but actually you need to do some of the fundamentals first. So, look, I got stuck into my pantry because – 
not going to lie, Shana, I got home from a couple of days on a little staycation in Melbourne. There was a smell. Uh. <laughs> I have a little walk-in pantry, which actually doubles as a laundry room because I don't have a laundry. Yeah. And it's got a washer-dryer combo in it. Somewhere, somehow, the mice had gotten in. And so I couldn't put it off any longer. We've all had that, I'm telling you. We have all had that. And I had to empty out the fridges in the pantry, the freezer, Mm. the washing dryer machine, pulling everything out. So five hours later, I've sort of cleaned up, I've tidied, I've put everything back in, still got a smell in there. Ah. Then found out once I unearthed the freezer again, the little mice, poor little things, had actually gone into the freezer and were having a little mouse party and sleeping next to the compressor of the freezer where it was quite warm. I'd put some baits in and they died in there. So me and a pair of chopsticks. (laughs) Oh! Oh, my goodness. And because I was stupid enough to Google pantry organisation and to put hashtag pantry inspo into Instagram, I suddenly just had this huge wave of, what's the point? I'm never going to have the perfect pantry. I mean, have you seen that? I'm going to call it pantry porn right now. Oh. The, the organised people of the world who have these Kardashian-style pantries where every single thing is matched. There's canisters that are all completely matching. They have the most incredible array of things in there. And I got really disillusioned and thought, I am never going to have a pantry that looks even halfway like that. I might as well just give up now. For those of us, Shana, who can't live up to this ridiculous standard that we see on social media, how can you inspire me? How can you encourage me that actually there's little things that you can do? Honestly, it's it's something that's been going for a long time. I've got a very good... um, girlfriend called Marianne Benny, who is a professional organiser. Oh, now, hello. <laughs> professional organiser. She doesn't do it um, professionally now. <laughs> but she was on to that in, oh, I'm trying to think, her book was 2012. It's called Stuff to Sorted and you can still get it on Ooh, Amazon. And Stuff to Sorted, loving that absolutely. title. Absolutely. <laughs> and it's all, it's all about organising not just your pantry but also your paperwork, your bills, your cupboards. And we used to do a lot of work together and, you know, she really made a lot of difference in organising and, you know, we, I'm trying to think that it was probably 2006 or something like that. So she was doing it way back then, Mm. which is a long time ago. And so she taught me a lot of tricks in pantries when you couldn't have those beautiful ones that we see at the moment. Where you start from scratch, it looks like. you start from scratch. But it was more about fixed shelves because most pantries in a builder's, you know, um, in a builder's build, uh, it's just five shelves and nothing fits. So it's all Mm. about having, you know, do you have really tall shelves? So you might have to actually get little steps that you put things onto. So it's maximising the space and not having all those gaps. That's the big problem. So trying Mm. to stack things on top of each other without a shelf. So you can get, you know, in all these different um, sort of organising places, you can get shelves that sit a container underneath and a container on the top because it's one thing to have it looking like Pinterest, but if you can't fit everything in on it, well, it, it's not, you know, it's just looking pretty, but it's not storing everything. Mm. So I, I think one, what you did starting from scratch, cleaning it out is a big thing. Then it's working out in those two shelves that are in your eyeline. They're the most that you will use. That's so a valuable real estate. That is, it's, it's, you think like a supermarket shelf. That's yep. what you need to do. So what is at your feet is actually storage and what you put right at the top is stuff that you probably only access once or twice a year. So 
you give the hierarchy to the shelves, already that's sorted. Then it's actually getting containers that match. So you might actually have two rows where they all match and all the rest don't match, but that's okay because it's not in your eye line. Getting a really good label maker. There's so oh. many incredible label makers at the moment. Um, but also what is a really good thing, and this is what Marianne had had brought to me, is like, you know, those really long, deep, skinny containers that um, they almost look like celery Tupperware celery yep. containers. We can get some long ones of those. So if you've got really deep shelves, you get one of those and then put smaller containers in it and then you put all your labelling on the top. Oh, so rather yep. than having everything sort of at face, it means you're creating these mini drawers within spaces that you can't have drawers. Um, the key is also to clean it out fully once a year. My daughter, that's her obsession. <laughs> and so I'm lucky I have her in my life because oh, ours really? gets out of control. Because <laughs> you get busy and you, you end up, it's not just you putting it back. There's, you know, two or three people putting things back. And, you know, you might buy more spices or you might buy powders and then you've always got, you know, a third of a packet left or a half a packet left. How do you put them together? So it's being able to not just have those beautiful containers, but you don't want to always open everything. So you've got to work out how your storage bins work of, of storing all that as well. Mm. So that there's, as with anything with kitchen design, it's about how do you utilise it? Like what are the foods that you're using on a daily basis? What are the things you need on hand? What are the storage elements that you need so that you can keep refilling? And unfortunately, it has to be taken all out once a year from scratch so that you can have it looking like that all the time. Oh, how often do you find? Uh, look, I'm. I reckon I threw out. I felt really good about it. Yeah. But I threw out spices that I had had. I reckon fifteen years. <laughs> and honestly, you know what? Even with us cleaning out all the time, and I'm I'm saying us meaning my daughter. Um, there's always use by dates, and I, I think that's the thing. You think they'll last forever, but. You use it for Christmas for a cake or you yes. use it for pickling or you use it for a special... Yes, the mustard seeds and the mixed Exactly. <laughs> and all of a sudden three years have gone by yeah. and you, that recipe comes up again and go, oh, I need that. And then you go, oh, my God, I have to throw it out and start again. Yeah. It, yeah. It's a commonplace. So it, it is one of those things that if you're doing recipes that are only sort of once or twice a year, maybe look at giving those spices away once you've used them which is a really good thing because mm. you go, well, I'm only going to make this once. This is a spice I, w I won't use on a regular. Maybe tie a bow in it and when you're having a dinner party saying, here's some little gifts because I won't be using that again. <laughs> and off you go. And, it's, you know, it might only be a dollar, but it means that it's somebody's taking it that's going to utilise it and then it's, it's stuff that's not going to dirty your pantry. Mm. I actually made some mulled wine the other day for an exhibition opening. <laughs> oh, really? And I was like, there goes all that star anise that I've had in the pantry for so long. But at least it got used. Absolutely. I had mulled wine for the first time in London when my daughter was living over there and I'd heard all about it and I had the mulled wine. I went, this is revolting. And I had friends that will do it every Christmas and I said, uh, ain't happening. Ain't happening. No, 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 no. I oh. did like eggnog, though. 
Oh, there you go. I did. So there you go. That's my point of difference. I'm more savoury than sweet. Well, this was actually for budget reasons because you can turn a $6 bottle bottle of uh, Aldi red wine into something Ah. relatively tasty if you've got your spice mix. There you go. Boil the you-know-what out of it. Yeah. When you're serving wine for free at an exhibition opening, you uh, have to be a little bit thrifty. But look, loving that. And I think actually you've given me hope that the two shelves, because really there's only two shelves that you can see as soon as you're standing in my kitchen – Get those together, get some matching canisters, make it all, you know, work there and don't stress about it all being perfect. Uh, And I don't think you can because if you're not that sort of person, you'll probably do it for two months and then you feel like a failure because you can't. So really work out what's achievable. And it might be like, you know, what we're saying, those two shelves. It might end up being the centre of those two shelves to Mm. start with because I'm not about wasting, about you sort of have to throw them all out and start again containers. It's like, how can I utilise these containers? Maybe those containers that are already there that don't match sit behind something or they sit in the um, the storage part and maybe you might sort of change the lid on them or, you know, rather than doing a label maker, you might actually get a piece of contact that goes all the way at the front of it and then yep. do the label on the front of it. So there's ways you can get creative without throwing everything out. Ooh, and I'm getting myself a, cup, a copy of Stuff to Sorted by your friend Marianne. Oh, I, I hope she gets all these sales that, you oh. know, it's been sitting there for <laughs> 10 years that hasn't had maybe a sale and you'll be oh. going, oh, where's all these sales coming I'm from? I'm going to put the link in the show notes because if people are in the same situation as me, Stuff to Sorted uh, is definitely, definitely what I need. You are listening to the Homestyle Podcast. Thanks to Beaumont Tiles. Tiles from just $19.95. Subways from $29.95. It's their new maximum value, maximum quality range. We've got some listener questions uh, to get to, Shana. So I think we might just dive into them because there's an absolute cracker here that I think we need to spend a little bit of time on. Oh, I love a cracker. You can send us your questions to podcasts at sen.com.au. Our first question from Joe. Justine. Hi, Shana. Our renos are complete and now we are at the finishing stage. We found a company to use, filled out all the design and style questionnaires and got the plans back and we are not on the same page with a grumpy face emoji. Out of 45 pieces, we only like two lamps. We've gone... What? We have gone back to them and told them everything we want changed, but are worried about the second revision. So are preparing to be let down again. How do we find a company to use without this happening again? We followed them on Instagram and had done a bit of research. What should our next step be? Or do we find someone new to use? Now, I work with Justine. This is a wonderful question. I've been checking in on her reno progress for the last six months. But number one, I'm impressed that she actually is employing a designer but this is not a great place to be in, is it, Shana? Where you're like, I've bit the bullet and I'm going to actually get a professional in. Don't like it. There's a couple of things there in the fact that, and it goes both ways. One, did they provide a really exact brief? Mm-hmm. And two, the designer, did they listen to the brief? So it sounds like she filled out sort of questionnaires. See, questionnaires isn't... You know what? If, if you're not having the conversation, a questionnaire is box ticking. Yeah, yeah. So, I, and I think when, you're, when you've got a questionnaire and you're not getting to know the person, it, it more or less becomes the designer's version of what that look is, not the, not the look that people want. Because 
what people, and I'm just going to put this in a really simple way, what people say Hamptons is and what reality of Hamptons is mm. is two different things. Yeah, okay. And when it's written as a questionnaire, I don't think you're getting the full aspect of what it is. And especially if you've got 45 items and you've only got two that you like, Yeah. one, totally missed the mark, and two, there might be something wrong with the questionnaire. And I think that's really good feedback to give them saying, how could this be so wrong? Yeah. We are giving you the second chance, but if you can't get it right on the second chance, probably 70% minimum, I would look elsewhere because that is not going to work because these people are, are working on a formula and if they want something more personal, a formula doesn't work. And it might be, you know, this formula works really well for styling a house for sale, styling a house for 12 months, styling it for an Airbnb. But when it's your personal home, a questionnaire does not cut the mustard. Oh, interesting. So mm. are you suggesting they should maybe just move on, cut their losses and find another company? I would like to them to question, okay, so going back the second time, is that going to cost them? Yeah. It shouldn't. If they got the questionnaire, if they filled out their their look and feel, um, you know, if I go back to a client and I only have two things right out of forty five, I'm questioning myself, not mm, the client. Yeah, yeah. Because it's your job to read the client, but if you're doing it as a questionnaire, you can't read the client. Mm. So there's quite a few things there. I'm always a big believer in second chances, but I don't want it to cost her a lot of money in the second chance. And if they don't get it right in the second chance, I definitely would look somewhere else. Uh, great question, Justine. And you can actually send the link to this podcast to the designer <laughs> if they're going to start whacking you big fees for a, a revision. But well, yeah, we're not out, we're not out for shaming. <laughs> we're not out for shaming. But I think no, you know but... this. If we say anyone who is a designer that does a questionnaire and they've got a client called Justine, maybe just have a look at your process. Yeah, I think that is it. And yeah. look, I find it really difficult though to actually, especially with tradies, which is a little bit different. But I don't know. I feel like oh, they've put their time and effort into that, and maybe it's us that just doesn't know what we want. I find it really hard to speak up and say, hey, job's not right. Yeah. I'm actually, I, I expect more. Well, it, it's, honestly, this whole thing is about communication. Yeah. And you saying, you know, the fear of speaking up, but it's also a case of it's a two-way street. So you can't have the designer telling you what it's going to be and you can't have the customer telling you how it's going to be. Because mm -hmm. I've had customers saying that, you know, I want this, this, this and this and I present it to them and they go, no, I don't want anything of that. And I go, but you that's what you told me you wanted. <laughs> and so they didn't communicate that part properly. That's why I'm saying it, it does need a second chance because it's about refining the brief. So if they only got two right, it's about refining the brief. But, and also with a tradie, like, you know, they do things a certain way, but you're paying them to do things a certain way that's going to suit you. So they've got to sort of bend and shape to work with you at the same time. Um, a whole different story if it's somebody putting in your power lines, like there is only one way, their way. So, yeah. but when you're paying money for a personal service into your home, that's going to work against what you want then yes, you do have the power to speak up. And it's it's a conversation, not a battle. Mm. Have you ever had a, a really tricky client, Shana? Oh, God, you... yes. Yeah. Absolutely. And definitely had, but, but I definitely, you know, I sit down with people for a minimum two hours to start with before I even go and, and suggest anything. And it does come down to people, people have told me what they wanted because they thought that's what they should have. Uh, not because they genuinely like yes. the Hampton style. 
<laughs> exactly. It's because every TV show I watch well, and everything. Exactly. Yeah. I like Hamptons. And then you break down, well, what's your perception of Hamptons? And it might be a blue and white lamp and nothing else. Yeah. So it is that sort of thing is what is your perception of the style that you're wanting without doing a massive deep dive and what's the designer's interpretation of that before you agree on it? Yeah, interesting. Okay, well, let's move on to Charlie L's question. Shana, I love your work. My question would be, because it confuses me so much, how to decide the correct wall to turn into a feature wall, or I think you call them focal walls now? Focal point. Focal point wall. Yes. Rather than just randomly picking one while maximising the space. I actually wrote about that in my first book, um, Design Your Home. And I, I think that's the main thing in that when you're designing a room, a wall as a focal point, it's always a case of why do you want that focal point? Do you want that to create impact when you first walk in the room? Do you want to lead the eye to an amazing feature? But also you've got to look at the power of what a focal point can do to distract from the bad things. And so a focal point, wall, a focal point or a feature wall doesn't have to be the wall as soon as you walk in. Because that's what I naturally think. It's like, okay, it's the wall that when people walk in, they go boom, maximum impact. And and that's literally what it was. But what if you've got a really ugly um, feature there? What if there's something like there's a pillar that's obstructing everything? Horrible old fireplace or something. Exactly. Mm. So when you first walk in, where do you want the eye to lead? And the feature might actually be on the wall behind you. So, you know, say the door is on the left-hand side of the wall and the feature is actually on the right-hand side of the wall. So you create all this softness in the three walls but have this massive impact on that wall to your right because when you walk in, we all have peripheral vision and so if everything's quite soft in those three walls and you can see some banging colour or patterns coming out on the side of your – you're going to turn around instantly. Mm. So it's about where do you want the eye to lead you And to rest on because sometimes a feature wall is just very cliche because it's just like I have a wall in front of me so I have to paint a feature wall. And that's what it used to be, especially Mm. when we had faux suede effect paint. (laughs) I I get asked many times what were the things I would never allow back in and it was suede effect paint and suede effect um, fabric. Do you remember the fade? Yes. Yeah. Uh, We're talking sort of 90s here, aren't we? Yeah, and yeah. it was always in the most disgusting chocolate or yeah. the really bad red. It, it sort of literally gave... looks like paint where you've then gotten a piece of fabric and sort of splotched it on A really bad dries. sponging. But then it yeah. also had little bits of grit and sand in it. And so you literally had to sand back to raw plaster and re-plaster to get it <laughs> terrible. <laughs> okay. Well, so I think, Charlie, then, yeah. Think laterally and, and maybe not just think. Yeah. The first thing you think may not be the case. Where do you want the eyes to rest once they're in the room? Yeah. That's and so trigger. if there is something you're trying to maybe detract from in a room, don't think that making the feature of or focal wall around that is actually Absolutely. you want to distract. Some people think, oh, that'll hide it up. If I do a really bold colour, people won't see it. No, it makes it worse. <laughs> Uh, this one from Pip M. Um, who is your favourite designer, Shana? 
Oh, look, I have quite a few. No, it is hard because I like them all for different reasons. Like I love Kelly Wurstler because of her boldness. I don't agree with everything she does, but man, she just goes for it and she doesn't care what anyone says or thinks and, and does everything for her, which is incredible. So I love Kelly Wurstler for her individuality. Um, I love India Hicks because she has a certain look and style and it's so beautiful and and simplistic and I think she does eclectic really well in a very soft, personal way. Excellent. Um, and Pip also asked, do you design for your friends and family? Uh, no. I was thinking that might be the rule. Is it? Is it just too messy? Um, look, I think the thing is that, one, it's a job. It's my career. And two, I don't want them to feel like they are obligated to get me to do it. So if they're doing something, I'm happy to give advice because I think it's for them to get other opinions and ideas and not feel like that if they don't agree with what I'm saying, they can't tell me. Yeah. And it could fracture friendships and relationships. Which comes back to our question we just answered for Justine, that exactly. if you don't feel you can communicate effectively. But I'm yeah. really on a big one saying, look, I recommend going down this avenue or whatever, but once you get everything back, show me first. <laughs> And it's not because I want to critique the other designers. It's just that I want as a a friend and a family member to make sure that they're getting the best out of it. That's all. Okay. Well, very interesting question. And one little last one. Uh, This one from Braith Cox. What does Shana think of hydronic heating, effectiveness, cost, style? Do the panels impact the room in a negative or positive manner? So hydronic heating are those almost old-fashioned, like the big um, Mm. cast iron ones you'd see in uh, Victorian houses where it's actually, I think, water running through, hydronic, um, and a big panel that then radiates the heat. I know they're fashionable again these days. Well, I've got them in Kyneton in all the bedrooms. It's the most incredible soft heat. It doesn't dry you out like um, ducted heating, and uh, I swear by it. Uh, does it detract? What you've got to make sure, there's all different size panels. That's what the great thing is. You can get tiny ones, big ones. It is a case of, you know, it's a very English thing that you box over the top of it. Yes. But in Australia, we don't do that. And I know Neil quite a few times goes, I can't believe you guys make a feature out of these. We've spent our whole lives trying to cover them up. <laughs> but it's you can actually get them powder-coated so they can actually blend in with the wall. They can blend in with the trims. So they don't have to be this major eyesore. The only thing that we're, we're looking at at the moment is most of them are, are, yes, there's water inside of them, but they're run by gas. So gas is going to be, you know, more obsolete and, yeah, and it already out. is more expensive, yep. but there are systems that are run on electricity. But if you're going to run electricity, I would suggest having solar as well. Yeah. So it's just the energy required. I swear by it. I think it's amazing. Um, Mine is run by gas, so I'm looking at the alternative at the moment. Mm. I won't be able to do it for a few years because it will be quite expensive to swap it over, but I do have solar. So the great thing is about hydronics is that all of them can be individually controlled, whereas you can't do that with ducted heating. Yeah, huge split system or ducted. Exactly. So you have one machine that drives it, but each one can be individually controlled. And so you could have, you know, and this happens in Kyneton a lot, there might be only two people in the bedrooms, but there's five, five bedrooms, seven spaces. And so we only heat those two rooms that we need. And that becomes so economical. Mm. Oh, well, there you go, Braith. I think um, definitely be having a a chat to whoever's looking at installing. And 
I would say at this stage when we spoke about energy efficiency a couple of episodes ago, mm. when we're looking at phasing out gas, you'd be absolutely mad to put in a gas system, yeah. wouldn't you? Uh, absolutely. But I, th- I think it's one of those ones where the alternative, the electric driven may not be there. Mm. Electric driven, electric powered. Yeah. <laughs> so I think I'd do just a bit of research. Efficiency, absolutely. The air is incredible. The fact that it can be individually controlled rather than having big split systems is a definite bonus. But just look at how it's going to be powered. Now, Shana, we are just going to pick up on uh, something you mentioned earlier, the suede finish paint, because I did love your Stella Mag column, which uh, talked about painting and paint being more than just a simple wall covering, different finishes and textures. So for someone, maybe we talked about wallpaper last episode, still thinking, no, I want to do the painting. And we've had the question there from uh, Charlie about the feature walls. Where are we going with paint now? What's the fashion? Are we still doing those focal points? Are there new finishes that we're seeing come in or are we back to basics again and doing what you did on Selling Houses for Years, which was lots of white? (laughs) You know what? There is so much out there at the moment. Is there? There is so much out there. You've definitely got, like, you've got Porter's Paints that has all those beautiful finishes, which are stunning. You have Venetian Plaster, which is taking on so many different looks and feels. Describe Venetian Plaster because I know last year on the block, that was a big thing, wasn't it? Yeah. Well, it's just trying to what get texture into the wall. A visual texture or it could yep. be a texture that you feel as well. Oh. But And it can be matte, it can be gloss, it can be coloured, but it definitely has that look of old in the fact mm. it could be in Italy, it could be in France, it could be from Venice. That's where it mm. comes from, the Venetian plaster. That so aged look. Absolutely. Yep. So, And you can play around with it. You can have as much detail or as little as possible. Sometimes Venetian plaster can actually look like textured wallpaper mm. and you actually have to touch and go, oh, my God, that's actually plaster. So it can be subtle. It doesn't have to be right there in your face. There's also a lot of wall texture coming out at the moment, which if you think of the 1940s, 40s houses that had, you know, in California bungalows where it was brick down the bottom and then it was textured at the top. Yep. There's a subtler version of that coming back. Now, it could actually look a little bit like suede effects wallpaper if you are brushing it a certain way, but it's almost like, you know, our exterior renders. So there's a soft render that, you know, you could put on a, a chimney, you could put it on a wall, you could put it on... I don't know, half the bottom or the railing or above, you could actually use it instead of having wood panelling. So there's a little bit of that coming back. It's a commitment, so you've got to look at that. But then there's also um, so much happening with paint in the fact that, you know, can't afford a bedhead, paint a bedhead. Yeah, I find that intriguing. Yeah, yeah. And there's there's a lot about um, paint going back to big murals. And that was sort of, um, I've got a stellar article coming up about that in the fact that when I grew up, and I don't know whether you saw this as well, is that there was almost like a a big spirograph that would go on the wall and and Mm. you would have like, you know, reds and reds and blues, or you'd have greens and yellows. And it was instead of wallpaper, it was actually like a a mural that was in shapes and waves that Mm. would take up the whole wall. So that's making a bit of a comeback of a bit of fun as well. Well, there you go. Um, And for novices like me, do you recommend getting an expert in or really just one room at a time? One room at a time, I reckon. (laughs) But the thing is also with these, as I said, paint doesn't last a lifetime. If you wanted to do a wallpaper bedhead, YouTube it, get some masking tape, be your best friend and experiment with it. Mm. It's fun.
It's got to be fun. <laughs> it's just really We get too serious. <laughs> we get too serious. Yeah, I guess, you know, you're right. Like once you actually, you've got the home, you've got the bones, anything else within that can actually change. Well, thank you, Shana, once again. And thanks to everyone who's been sending in questions. We love getting your questions to podcasts at sen.com.au. And, of course, if you are thinking of doing the reno, you need to head to Beaumont Tiles because they've got tiles now from just nineteen ninety. Subways from $29.95. It's their new maximum value, maximum quality range. Busy couple of weeks coming up for you, Shana. Busy, busy, busy. I think the thing is of, you know, there's so many um, designs I'm sort of working on at the moment for new ranges. So I'm really excited. I've got the pen to paper. And um, I've got the goggles on of inspiration, which <laughs> I love. Gearing up for, uh, look, we've got another month and a bit left of uh, of winter. Spring is, is on that its all? way. I know. Oh, bring it on. <laughs> and you can follow Shana on Instagram, on Facebook, on her website, and we'll be seeing her on the block soon. Thanks so much for listening to Homestyle. And thank you, Shana. Ah, pleasure as always. Loving it. Beaumont's want you to be able to afford your dream space, so they created Beaumont Max. Their maximum value, maximum quality tile range. Tiles under 20 and subways from under 30 bucks. Choose Beaumont Max today.